What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are ramping up this weekend in sports right now, live on Twitter. It's around 5.30 p.m. Central Time. Halloween, October 31st, 2021. The Atlanta Braves are about nine innings away from winning their first World Series since 1995. There's a lot going on in the world of college football. And if we have some time, maybe we'll touch on NFL today. But I feel like there's just so much to get into with this World Series. That's where we got to start. And then we got to go through the big games from the weekend. I will take you through them and we will talk our takeaways. I'll give my updated rankings Hope everyone is ready for a fun hour or so here on the Jack Vita Show. Before I bring in my guest, I just want to say if you guys enjoy today's show, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcast. I'll be talking later sometime this week, uh, recapping, putting a bow on this World Series, and we'll see what that ends up, what when it, when it ends. That's one of the things that's funny about this business is I don't know if I'm going to be taping something tomorrow if I'm going to be taping something on Thursday, I don't know who the guests are going to be. It's it's all kind of fluid right now. And then, of course, uh, we're a week out from college basketball season. So I'm going to be getting together with Andrew Stem, uh, our college basketball extraordinaire, uh, our chief college basketball correspondent here on the Jack Vita Show. And we are going to, sometime this week, we will be hammering out our college basketball season preview. And that... We'll probably that's probably going to be in the neighborhood of like two to three hours, and then we'll probably break it into two separate episodes. So be on the lookout for part one dropping probably later this week, and then part two coming next week. But we'll see. And then of course another football episode coming next week. We've had a lot of great guests lately. I spoke. Um, we did a World Series preview. I spoke with Teresa T Bird Cooper, who was very excited about. She was on Survivor season three, Survivor Africa, and she wore her Braves hat on Survivor. And uh, she called in and was so excited that the Braves made it to the World Series. We chatted with her for about 40 minutes. She's an absolute delight. Maybe we'll be hearing from her again this week if things go well for the Braves. We'll see. And then uh, previous, prior to that, we had Garrett Powell here from The Bachelorette. We covered some football last week with Connor Bame and Nathan Rice. Mickey Morandini, former Philadelphia Philly All-Star and World Series participant he was on. So make sure you guys all are subscribed. And if you miss any of those episodes, you can go back and check them out. All right. We got to dive right in and we have an excellent guest joining who's been patiently sitting here for the last three minutes, ready to jump in. Uh, he's been on this show uh, probably like four or five times so far. Uh, I think the last time we recorded something, did we, have we done one in 2021? I don't think I think the last time was we did a 2020 baseball season preview, I believe. Not 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 season, uh postseason. Or, right. Um oh that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you're right about that. So yeah. it has been a really long time. It has been a while. It it's gone by quick though. I mean it's it has. been it's been a busy year. All right. So he was formerly at Texas Christian University, um, where he studied journalism. He's a graduate now. He finished up and now he's in grad school at Arizona State. And he's been doing some uh, he's been doing some work, a little reporting, some feature stories and uh, a little bit of the production work as well. Uh, we say hello to Houston Astros fan 
and former host of the Cheap Seats podcast, RIP Cheap Seats, Chad Vaughtherine. Welcome back to the show, my man. Jack, I'm, I'm always super excited to be on the Jack Vita show, and it's I'm a big fan of it as well. And so I'm, I'm really happy to be back. It's It has been way too long. <laughs> <laughs> and of I, course, think we, I think we said that every time. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're rocking the mustache right now. And it's funny because Garrett Powell has like a gigantic mustache right now. <laughs> if people want to check his mustache out, he's big on Instagram. He's a guy like 150,000 followers. And he's like, I saw his mustache. I'm like, all right, well, I'll do something. When I I did it two weeks ago, I'll do a little mustache. And then I was like, all right, I kind of like this. I just, I'll leave it for another week. And then you and I were texting a few days ago and you're like, I'm coming by warning though. If we have cameras, I have a mustache. I'm like, well, perfect. I'll keep mine going. (laughs) Yeah. I think mine has grown a little too fast for me. I mean, it's a little (laughs) uneven. It's not perfect. My, my facial hair grows very quickly. I, I just have like the dark hair kind of thing but it I, I don't know i this is honestly jack probably the first day that i'm not in love with it <laughs> you're, <laughs> so you're normally I, in love with it but you normally i think but it's getting it's getting to the point where i have to kind of groom it a little more and i've never i don't have experience doing that so i don't know now the real how, question chad is your girlfriend annie in love with it does she like it and so jack it's funny because she's the one who told me to grow it Ooh, and so okay. <laughs> so i and that's why I kind of liked it. I was like, well, if she likes it, then I have to like it too. But this is the first day that I'm not in love with it. So so I don't I don't know how much longer, but of course I say this the day before November starts. So there's this expectation that I keep it at least through the majority of probably November or Thanksgiving or something, but we'll see. This a lot of people have tried to get me to grow facial hair and there's been so many failed attempts up until now. <laughs> so this is the farthest it's gone for me in terms of any type of beard or mustache. And that says a lot because it grows really fast for me. <laughs> now, Chad, uh, the funny thing is to anyone who's watching on Twitter, you can see what Chad looks like. His mustache and glasses combo just looks straight out of Party City, like, uh, <laughs> like the fake uh, glasses with the fake mustache attached to it. Oh yeah, no, I can't actually see through these at all. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but no, seriously, I I could have gone for so many different Halloween costumes. I I didn't go for anything this year, but uh, yeah, the the glasses and the mustache combo probably could have uh, <laughs> I could have been I could have been something really cool. <laughs> so it is Halloween. Before we dive into the sports, I must know favorite Halloween candy. I mean, and I'll say right now, right now, um. Kids are trick-or-treating here. I live with my folks. The dog keeps barking left and right. So if anyone hears the dog, you shouldn't be able to, but you might. It could happen. So if someone rings the doorbell and he goes crazy every, uh, I don't know, two minutes. And so, I don't know, Halloween, I feel like, and you are fresh out of college. So be interesting to see what your 20s kind of unfold. But I will say Halloween, I feel like hasn't felt like anything since I graduated college. When I was in college, it's like there's always some kind of a function where you put together a costume. And now I just don't have like any reason to put a costume together unless I'm like going to do one here on the show. But I clearly don't care enough about the audience to (laughs) actually go to those lengths. So the only thing that I think Halloween now is a part of my life is. I just think it's the candy, the leftover candy. So 
I don't know. What are your thoughts on Halloween and Halloween candy, Chad? Well, I'm a huge chocolate person, so I absolutely love chocolate. It's my thing. Yeah, I think if we're talking about Halloween candies, I'm picking a chocolate candy over one of those, you know, a gummy fruity type of candy. And I don't really eat a whole lot of those. Uh, one of my favorite candies, probably I would have to say peanut M&M's uh, or any type Ooh. of M&M in general, but I love peanut M&M's. I'm a big Snickers fan. I do like Twix as well. I even like Baby Ruth's. It's a baseball candy. So I guess, <laughs> you know, I, I guess you kind of have to like it a little bit, but peanut M&M's or Snickers probably, it, but also any chocolate candy that you throw my way, it'll be gone. <laughs> yeah, I'm always a big Reese's guy, and I think I was a big Butterfinger as well. I think it's just Butterfinger, but we always we misremember it and we call it Butterfingers for some reason, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway, it's a season of fear, and what could be more scary than your Houston Astros down three one, entering into Atlanta tonight, where the Braves are seven and zero playing at Truist Park this postseason, what are your thoughts right now, Chad? I, I, I feel like you're probably surprised by how this has gone. I think I wasn't surprised after Atlanta took game three and went up two to one. Uh, I was expecting that. It was a very cold night, very unorthodox uh, weather for really both the teams because Atlanta uh, doesn't have a whole lot of experience playing in October in a really cold environment like this. Astros certainly do not because – they play in mid, mid park, which is a covered field. And so I, I expected the bats to be a little dead and they held that game pretty closely. You know, even the Houston loss, it, it was still a pretty close game, but what we've seen in the, in games three and four, uh, it's just real baseball. I think you see real baseball, you know, three to two, two to nothing, two to one type of games like that. We've seen some real baseball and, both of the teams are down, you know, arguably their top starters also down, you know, several other pitchers as well. And so we've seen more of this new style of this bullpen game. And I believe Atlanta's doing the same thing uh, later on this afternoon for game five. Uh, Houston's not going that route, or at least they're not starting that route. I believe they're starting um, from Rivaldez for, for game five, but you're seeing this new style that I think baseball is still adjusting to. And Houston is Dusty Baker, you know, being the manager there, he's more of a traditional uh, manager. And so he's not going to buy into a whole lot of the bullpen games. He's done it before, but more than like, you know, more often than not, he's not going to play the bullpen game. He's going to put the best starter that he has in this rotation out, um, regardless if he has two days of rest, you know, a minimum two, three days rest, anything like that. Uh, He's going to put the best starter out there. How I'm feeling as an Astros fan, pretty disappointed because I, I was, and I called my brother uh, last night after the game who, you know, we're both, we grew up huge Astros fans. I think last night's loss was probably the hardest thing that we've taken because we're realizing down three to one, Astros have a very low chance of actually winning the World Series. And we're also realizing that we're, you know, each game could be the last game where we see the core four of the Houston Astros that I've had such a joy watching over these past four to five seasons because Carlos Correa is probably not going to be a Houston Astro uh, more than likely. And we can get more into that if you'd like, but it's 
it's very sad. You know, the Altuve, Bregman, Gurriel, Correa boat is starting to sail. And, and most of the people outside of Houston are not sad about it. M- most people are happy. And I think there's also going to be one team who's going to be extremely happy because I think Carlos Correa is could he's easily going to be a face of a franchise player wherever he goes. But he, we love we love Correa in Houston. Uh, we love that core. I you know four or five players as well. I think you can throw an Alvarez in there too, even though he's still very young. The other thing is just I, it's sad. I mean I love watching Altuve and Correa up the middle. I think that's it's something very very special. They both came up to the MLB very different in very different ways, yet they are just so cohesive together, and it's really sad. So. I, I told somebody coming into the season, this is probably going to be the last big year for the Astros. And they made it all the way to the series. Just not far enough, you know? But. Yeah, I feel you. So a few thoughts that I have before we get to college football. Number one, the Braves are playing better baseball than anybody right now. And this is how this sport goes. You got to peak at the right time. Some teams peak way too early. Some don't ever get to that peak when they need to, or maybe it's too late. Maybe it's too late and they miss the postseason. The Braves are playing better baseball than anybody. They can't be beat at Truist Park. I think they're going to win tonight. I think the season, I've, I'm not saying it's over because if Houston can win tonight, I mean, look at what Atlanta's got in terms of starting pitching. Uh, you mentioned the bullpenning and their bullpen has been fantastic, but the the deeper the series goes, the more it's going to favor Houston because you're going to go back to Houston for game six and game seven. Ryan Packett said last week on here when we previewed this, he's like, well, the Astro- if, the, if the Braves do not win in five, which was his prediction, he said the Astros will win in seven. So we'll find out what happens tonight. But the, the Braves are playing better baseball than anybody at the right time. That's number one. Number two, I think this is something that people talked about coming into the season, and it hasn't been revisited in since that was seven months ago. And that's that I'm starting to, I shouldn't say starting to, I believe the National League is tougher than the American League this year. I think that, and you're an AL guy, so you might disagree, but I'll start by just by saying that if you look at the path the Astros had in terms of, you know, they played the White Sox. The White Sox aren't a very good defensive team. They had a lot of self-inflicted wounds. The Red Sox, you know, everything kind of came together for them. They're not a good defensive team either. They didn't have a great pitching staff. In the NL, you had, and now the Braves didn't have to beat both the Giants and the Dodgers, but you had those two teams that won 107, 106 games. You have the Brewers with their pitching staff. And you had this red hot Cardinals team. And I think that in terms of in terms of competition, we're seeing the NL team right now taking a lead. And the other thing is like in in fact that I would say that I think the class of the AL this year didn't get to meet. It was the Astros and the Rays. And we we discussed it several we a couple weeks ago with Arrestus and Albert Estrade why the Rays didn't win that series. Part of it may have been a fluke, but I think that this is something that hasn't been talked about a whole lot. I think National League was better this year. I, I think 
I think some of the divisional races, I mean, we obviously saw that in the AL East, uh, the divisions, the divisional races were very competitive, maybe a little bit more competitive than the NL uh, divisional races. However, uh, I think if you're an NL team like the Braves, who the Braves were, you know, one of the, you know, not the highest performing in terms of their regular season uh, out of all the postseason teams. However, they've proven that that regular season record doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they didn't you know, win 90 games. They're still in postseason for a reason. They're still, they've made it this far because they've gone through the thick of it. I mean, when, when you were able to beat the Dodgers and especially get a couple wins on the road, that's very impressive. And so I've, I think if you're an NL team like the Braves, they probably had a little bit of a tougher, tougher path uh, heading into the World Series. But I, I mean, I mean, it just depends on how you look at it. I mean, regular season, I think the AL was very competitive. Well, I think the th- it depends on, like you said, what are you looking at? Because I don't think you can necessarily take the win totals in one league, and it's I think is a little bit of comparing apples to oranges because. For instance, like a couple years ago, there was that like the Minnesota Twins won, what, 103 games. They were not a team that in the national. I don't think they would have won 103 games if they're playing in a division aside from the AL Central. And, you know, you take a look at the Sox division, all other four teams in the AL Central records below 500. So, like, you can have these high win totals and totally agree with you about the AL East. And there were some good teams out West as well. My point is, I think what I'm saying is that the top teams, you take like the top five teams in the NL, and I would take them over the top five teams in the AL this year. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't argue that, honestly, considering that one of the top five teams in the AL is, you know, technically the Chicago White Sox. And I, I'm, I'm not hating on them, but I'm just right. saying that. Well, another, I'll know, throw another I, I one in there. Weaker, if the Yankees got out of that wild card game, are the Yankees really going to win the? They weren't going to win the World Series this year. Like the, I think there were more true contenders on the NL side than the AL side. I, I agree. I, I think if you're, I think on the AL side, Rays and Astros had best shots, or I think two best teams in the American League. Kind of what you yeah. alluded to, but if you take any of the five or six uh, National League teams, I mean, imagine if the Cardinals were able to get through. Uh, the wild card and were able to get through uh, the divisional and the championship round, they would have, I think they still would have competed very well with the Astros or let's say the Rays in that instance. I think top to bottom, the the NL would have had very competitive teams. Yeah. And I think that in terms of like, if you're looking at contenders or if you're doing some kind of power rankings thing, the only other team that I thought had like, Heading into the postseason, I was like, oh, Rays and Astros. Those are going to be two teams left on the AL side. Now, the Rays didn't get through. It was a five-game series against division rival. Some weird things happened in that. But um, the the other team I was looking at in terms of if there's one team that can really alter the power structure of these AL playoffs, it was the Toronto Blue Jays. And Toronto Blue Jays... I mean, you want to talk about teams peaking too late. They peak too late. If that started a month earlier, they're probably they're probably that team that's playing the Rays in the ALDS. And maybe they're the team that's beating the Rays in the ALDS. And maybe so I think it was like heading into this postseason, there were like two World Series contenders on the AL side. And I'd say that I'd say all six on the on the like if I'm doing power rankings, I might take all six over the n- next 
after like I put in top eight, I probably take all six and then those two AL teams that we mentioned. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't argue that at all. And but I, I think also just moving forward, I'm in just kind of switching the subject here. I'm really yeah. scared to see where the Astros are going to end up in these next couple of seasons. So what do you think? Let's say let's say they lose tonight. Or, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. They could lose tonight. They could win in seven. What happens this offseason? What happens next year? Well, I, I think just doing my research, also just looking around the MLB, especially seeing this free agent class, this upcoming offseason, it's loaded with shortstops, or a couple of shortstops at least. But the one name, regardless of what position you look at, Carlos Correa, I think is – the number one free agent available. And I think this is a pretty bold prediction, but I do think that he will get close to a $400 million deal where it it depends on where he ends up. Some of the places that he actually could end up, uh, Toronto, uh, Detroit, the Detroit Tigers could probably give him a lot of that money. Uh, I think even he could even be a Yankee. I don't think the Yankees would spend that much money on him because I think he would just go to play for New York but they are needing a shortstop. And so th- some of those teams contending for possibly a Correa spot, I think if he's not 400, I think it's at least $350 million deal headed his way. Yeah. I also like your call in Detroit. Cause I think that they could be the team that they're not that far from turning a corner. And if they get a big piece like that, that really pushes them forward. Um, so without Correa and then who knows about this, you know, what what does Granky have left? What does Verlander have left? Right. You yeah. know, it's I an mean, interesting situation there. And, and it, all in these young guys that were so good in the in the uh, regular season, Valdez or Keedy, uh Garcia. You know, Garcia gritted his way through that game the other night. He didn't look great though. Valdez has been getting shelled these whole playoffs. Um there's a lot. Yeah, I, I, there are a lot of questions in that in with that team moving forward for sure. I think on the plus side, we have a lot of young talent. Uh, we also are missing a couple young uh, players in the lineup. So Jake Myers, who he, he made his debut, I believe August first, but he had a fantastic you know first two games of the series uh, in Chicago until he was you know, no longer to play. And then you have Chaz McCormick who. He's turned some good corners, I think, so far in his, you know, young young career with the Astros so far. But who knows if he's going to be able to stay around or if he could be a piece to get maybe a big pitcher to fill a void of possibly loss of Justin Verlander or even Grinky in the near future. And so a lot of these pieces, you know, aren't guaranteed to stick around. And that's the thing with the Astros. I mean, besides Altuve and Bregman and Gurriel. Keep in mind, Grill had a 10-year career in Japan, and so he's already, I believe, 37 or 38 yeah. years old. And so he doesn't he has probably no more than just a couple of years. And and then you have Jordan Alvarez, who if he continues to hit the way he has been hitting, he's gonna be somebody that teams are gonna go out for and are gonna want to pay a lot of money for him. Is he a free agent this winter? Uh I, I don't believe uh, it's this season, but he uh and then I think he has a couple uh, years left. I I haven't looked at his contract. He has a couple seasons left, but it's his, you know, his rookie deal pretty much. And so he, uh, but in the near future, he's, he's a big star. I think he's going to be a big name in baseball um, over these next couple years and draws a lot of comparisons to David Ortiz, 
uh, type of player who is just consistent. And I think he, he stays in the American League. But I, I don't know because he, he hasn't necessarily fallen in love with Houston, but he is a good fit for Houston so far. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll have to check in sometime this offseason with everything that goes on. Um, let's get into some college football here. And I, I think we'll, I'll run through some of these scores. Another team from Houston, the college, the Houston college football team, with a thriller of a victory yesterday. Uh, so I'm going to read you these scores. We'll run through these and we'll talk about it and we'll get into my rankings. And we have also, by the way, Chad, we have our first college football playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday. I honestly, I'm not a minute before I get into these. I'll say this. I wish I would say I was excited. I feel like the, the committee always annoys me to, in some regard. So I want to be excited about it. We'll see how that goes, I guess. <laughs> yes, we can get more into why I also kind of have problems with the committee as well. So, but let, let's okay. go over some of these scores right. first. Okay, so let's I'll run through these games. Number one ranked Georgia, uh, absolutely spanked their arch rival Florida. That's normally a good game, wasn't this year. Georgia 8 0, they win that game 34 7 at Florida. Cincinnati's getting tripped up a little bit these last couple weeks. Cincinnati did win. They beat Tulane. Final on that game was 31-12. But up until the fourth quarter, that was a one-score game. Uh, And then that's coming off last week, trailing versus Navy. I don't know if these are trap games, but Desmond Ritter did not. He hasn't really impressed me over the last couple weeks. Um, They're going to hurt their playoff case if they keep losing these games. Oklahoma Sooners with a big win over Texas Tech. Final on that game, 52-21. Ohio State, single digits, beat Penn State, 33-24. Penn State now falls to 5-3. and three. I think that's three straight losses, actually, for the Nittany Lions. Uh, Ohio State is 7-1. and one. Okay, Michigan was handed their first loss this week when they – Went out to East Lansing. They were up 30 to 16 in the third quarter. Ended up losing that game 37 33. Uh, Michigan State, 8 and 0. 8 and 0. Great game there. Iowa, <laughs> number nine in the country, who was just two weeks ago, like eight days ago, the number two team in the country, embarrassed at Camp Randall. 27 7, the final score on that game. I have Iowa dropping out of my rankings after that game. Uh, Pretty embarrassing. Auburn with a nice win versus Ole Miss. That's uh, 31-20. Didn't catch any of that to tell the truth. Oregon wins big on Colorado. Big win for Oregon to kind of get back on track. 52-29 was the final on that one. Notre Dame's putting together a nice little season. 44-34 victory versus the North Carolina Tar Heels, which is a very disappointing team out of the ACC. Mississippi State, they uh, hand another ranked team, another loss. They beat Kentucky 31-17 at home. Uh, Good things going right now for Garrett Powell. He's He's a Mississippi State guy, and he's a Braves guy. So he texted me yesterday. He said, double win. So he's pretty pumped about that. Wake Forest continues to roll 8 and 0 uh on top of Duke 45 to 7 Oklahoma State 
did what Oklahoma did not do, and that is absolutely destroy Kansas. 55 to 3 was the final score on that game. 7 and 1 now, Oklahoma State. Baylor, who I think may actually be better than Oklahoma State, by the way. Uh, TCU's arch rival, Baylor Bears, 7 and 1. Six, their number, there was number 16 in the country this past week. 31 24 over Texas. Pittsburgh with a loss against Miami. I uh, set that one up, I guess. Ken, Kenny Pickett, you know, there's a lot of talk about Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh. Can they move into the, you know, a territory of winning the ACC, which they technically still can do? But um, Kenny, Pick, Kenny Pickett for Heisman, this could be the game where that does him in for that. Um, we'll get into that. Houston with a thriller of a victory last night. SMU tied it with about 20 seconds left. It was 37-37, and Houston runs back a kick for a touchdown. Final on that game, 44-37 hand SMU, their first loss of the season. San Diego State, also an unbeaten team. They lost their first game last night. Fresno State, 30-20 to final score on that game. Mountain West has been a heck of a conference this year. Iowa State, they fall. I don't think they should have been ranked, but they're now 5-3. and three. They lost at West Virginia. Uh, Coastal Carolina with a seven-point victory, 35 over uh, Troy, 35-28. Uh, BYU, big, lot of points, a lot of points last night, 66-49 was the final in Provo, Utah last night. BYU moves to 7-2. and two. And then a couple games of unranked opponents that I think are worth noting. Washington State all over Arizona State. And I really thought that was a game potentially where Arizona State, they were favored by two touchdowns. I think I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Utah lost the week before. Arizona State's got a chance to move back into the Pac-12 South uh, lead on that game, or at least be back in contention. I saw Arizona State play when I was out visiting you, Chad, just a month ago. I was so impressed with their talent. Disappointing loss for them last night. Um, and then the other one out of the Pac-12 after dark, and that was the uh, Utah Utah Utes on top of UCLA. Big 44-24. And that is our college football news for the week, Chad. I think one thing that we've seen different in this season is one that I think aside from Georgia on the table, everyone has at least a loss or so. And every major team, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, those are your unbeatens. Right. But yeah, those are not traditional teams other than Oklahoma, you know, Cincinnati, Michigan state, typically teams you don't see in the top four. Right. And I think just to start with, one and two, I think George is very dominant. And I, I heading into this week's rankings, uh, I, I think that they are, they're the favorite to hold that number one spot after the SEC championship and everything. I think they're the favorite for the national championship so far. I think they've only given up less than, uh, or they haven't given up more than I believe 13 points. And that was to Kentucky a couple weeks ago. And other than that, every, every opponent has scored 10 or less on them. And so they're, they're the real deal. Uh, if a good match for them would be somebody like Oklahoma with a very good offense, because I think that would still be a low scoring game because Georgia, they, they can put points on the board, but they're not also a lot of their, 
touchdowns, a lot of their scores are mostly from, you know, favorable field position from a turnover. And so, you know, they're not running down the field 80 yards with a Nick Chubb type of a running back, or they're not, you know, doing slant routes for three or four drives in a row and, you know, driving down the field. They're getting interceptions and sacks and turnovers in opponent territory, and then they make the easy 15-yard rush into the end zone. That's mostly how they're scoring their points, but I think they're very dominant. Cincinnati, I think we can also talk a little bit about the Houston and the SMU game <laughs> with that. Uh, coming from the American Conference, SMU was my t- SMU plays Cincinnati, I believe, three weeks from now. SMU, I mean, that was a very tragic loss for SMU, but they're my favorite to give Cincinnati their first loss of the season. I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. This SMU team, they can hang with some of the big 12 teams. They can hang with some of the good teams. And I don't think, I think this helps uh, Houston as well, because Houston has a very quality program as they're going to be a power five team in a couple seasons. But I think, I think Cincinnati, like you said, they've underperformed. They started off really well in the first couple of games, but it kind of feels like Cincinnati. They got their Notre Dame win. They got that notch in their belt. And then it was like, all right, we're good. And you should never have that mentality at, at any program in the country, but especially when you have an uphill climb out of the American Athletic Conference. And this is a type of year where they could have an opportunity to legitimately get in. Now, we'll see what the committee does, but it's getting like – if okay, first of all, I'll say this: If Cincinnati's number five this week, that's a joke. They should not. I don't think they should be number five. I, they should be in the top four. And then the thing is, is like you know, I, I but I think the committee wouldn't mind seeing Cincinnati lose a game because Cincinnati's not going to be Ohio State in terms of money maker ratings, all that stuff. It's it's the highest form of reality TV. The college football playoff. <laughs> well, I, I think one thing is that the college football committee, I don't think they're rooting for a team like Cincinnati because, like you said, financially, there's going to be a huge uh, disparity. However, America and a lot of college football fans are rooting for teams oh, like yeah. Cincinnati, uh, teams like, you know, a couple years ago, UCF, who got snubbed. Te- Cincinnati has even been snubbed in the past couple of years of a college football appearance because these teams come from lower five conferences, but then they go eight and no playing who and everyone, we all have this conversation every year, but this is a huge opportunity for a lot of the non-power five conferences to prove that, Hey, there could be a team that may compete. And so I think if Cincinnati wins out, I think you will see them at the number three or four spot heading into the college football playoffs. However, they still, they still have to win out. It's not looking too hopeful when you're just beating Tulane, who's a one and seven team in the American Conference, by just a couple of scores, and they'll probably have to beat SMU or Houston twice. And so I, I well, they they don't have Houston on the schedule. They, they don't have Houston. You're right, but, but pro- Houston's but, in the position right now for right. the AAC championship. I'll say this: I actually think, I I think some people might look at the loss yesterday for SMU is a bad thing for the American. I actually think it's a good thing because we saw how good SMU was. Houston just climbed in the top 25 and they're in my top 25. That's the real one that matters. Uh, (laughs) But you're looking at three top 25 American teams and SMU 
I wouldn't drop them from the rankings. I actually don't know if they're ranked or not, but they're looked at as a very quality opponent. So if they mm-hmm. rack up both those wins, I think it's going to be harder to keep them out. They're like, yes, these are going to be tough games for them and they're going to have to win them, but it helps that there's a little more notoriety with some of these teams in the American. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk plenty more about some of these other teams, but yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Houston beating SMU helps the American conference and it helps Cincinnati because that's going to give them a little bit more fluff on their resume. If Cincinnati ends up winning out, then I think if they went out, they'll probably be a shoe in for the playoffs. Now, then you have to take it a step further. If Cincinnati does make it to the college football playoffs, are they going to be able to hang with Oklahoma in the semifinal round? Or are they going to be able to even hang with Alabama? Because that's where it would be set up right now. I don't think so. But Well, that's a conversation for another time. I'm looking right. at my thing is I do resume rankings. I don't do power rankings. I don't like power rankings. I think it's a, it should be meritocracy it should be a meritocracy where it's like okay so this team's under undefeated they're coming out of the american hey you know american's not great but notre dame i got them as the number nine team in the country right now they're actually i think number eight uh mm-hmm. right now in terms of ap poll that's a very quality win and then in terms of you pick up these other wins like like i say i think i i look at the resume i don't look at I don't like thinking about, okay, well, I think they would lose to this team um, because that's I I want the regular season to matter. So in theory, if you're looking at it in terms of power rankings, then you're devaluing what the teams have done up to this point. No, I I, I agree with you. I think a resume is definitely a way better uh, way to look at some of these teams, but the power rankings, they're so different across the board and it depends on who you ask. And so I think it's hard, and I, I think it is kind of a failure on call it, the way that college football playoff committee selects teams. I think it is kind of hard, but yeah, it, I don't think it's fair to all the teams. But that's also, you know, we could open up a whole nother show for that <laughs> too. So. Okay, so I'm gonna we'll go to let's come back to the rankings. Let's talk about some of these games. So uh, Iowa, thanks for playing. Just go home. We're, we're done. You know, I guess technically there's a path for them to play in the Big Ten championship game and they could finish out as a top 25 team, but they're not a contender. They they played, they're out. And that's, you know, you can't make Wisconsin, who's had offensive quarterback issues all season long, look that good offensively. Like, just stop. And hey, credit to Graham Mertz and Grant, credit to Wisconsin for kind of working through some of these kinks. They're a three-loss team, so I don't think they're a top 25 team at this time. That could change. Iowa, go home. We're done with you. <laughs> I didn't buy them when they were number two, and I'm not buying them for the rest of the season. So <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty evident what was going to eventually happen with them, but in terms of resume, they belonged in that two spot. I don't think that that was crazy for them to be two, but I think most of us knew, yeah, they're probably not going to stay at two for <laughs> very long. Right. <laughs> um, now, a team from the Big Ten that I was impressed with. Michigan State and Kenneth Walker. Five rushing touchdowns. He may have just put himself in the conversation. I, I, I shouldn't say that he, he may have or whatever. He's in the conversation for the Heisman now. 
Yeah, I, I think it's super impressive, just under 200 yards. And to do that uh, with some Big Ten defense as well as in you know a colder weather game, that's it's not an easy – I believe I had 195 yards. That's not an easy 195 yards rush, especially in a big rivalry game like that with two top teams. That was a very impressive performance. And I think you see some of these other, other players who are kind of underperforming when we talk about like Ritter and Cincinnati and things like that. This makes ways for the true – I think the true Heisman cannons, I think Kenneth Walker is one of those guys that's going to be in the conversation for the rest of the season, especially if Michigan State can somehow squeak their way out of you know, the rest of their uh, Big Ten opponents and their schedule. I think he is definitely going to be a contender of these next couple of weeks. Absolutely. So big win for Michigan State when they protect their home field. I've got Michigan State at two now in terms of resume because I – I had Michigan as my number three team in the country. Now, obviously, all these things are subjective. This is a top 10 win. They're an undefeated Big Ten team. I think their resume is better than Iowa's was. So I actually would put them at number two right now. And I, I know they're at number five, but again, they still have to play Ohio State on the road. And then they also have to play Purdue on the road, which Purdue has proven that they can beat top five teams for anywhere. And so I... I mean, I really think that, you know, this Purdue game might not be it's, – it's not going to be a cakewalk for Michigan State because, again, the Big Ten has the same problem with most of the other conferences or as some of the other conferences. They all are just going to beat each other. And we're already seeing that play out with Michigan off the board now of being a non-undefeated team anymore. But I think Ohio State game, that's going to speak volume to Michigan State. And I think if they get through that game, they get through Penn State and they could easily find themselves – uh, without a loss in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, we'll see if they actually do get there. But at this time, I put them two. And then, uh, let's see, what else we got here? Another team. I don't know if I want to say thanks for playing. I mean, they're still a top 25 team. I still have them in my rankings. Ole Miss losing to Auburn. Not surprised by that, to tell the truth. I'm, I'm not very surprised. The thing with a lot of the SEC teams is that they all show up one week and then they yeah. don't the week after that. They're very inconsistent this year. I think aside from Georgia, and I would even put Alabama still as a consistent team, even though they're not perfect, they're still consistent. But I mean, because one week you know you have LSU and Auburn within one score of each other, and then LSU will lose a very terrible game. Then you have Ole Miss, a team like this, losing to Auburn, who just who was a couple of rankings behind. But then at the same time, you know you have Arkansas, who's in the mix for that conversation too. Kentucky, Mississippi State that game also lopsided as well. And so it's the sec is very inconsistent, but I still don't think that that takes away from how good the sec is. It's just each team in the conference, very, very inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kentucky's another one. They lost this week. I dropped them out of the rankings. I mean, they hadn't really beaten anyone all that impressive up to this point. Um, they're a two loss team. A&M's a two loss team. A&M's going to stay, I got them at 13, but I don't know if I don't expect them to stay there. So I, I don't know. I mean, in terms of conferences, Chad, is the SEC the class of college football this year? So it's funny you mentioned that because I actually wrote a uh, I, I, I wrote an article about that. Uh, I still do think the SEC is the best football conference, but if you're selecting SEC teams to go and have success in the postseason and bowls and things like that. I still think it's going to be closer with some Big Ten opponents. I also think um, 
and some Big 12 opponents as well. I think a lot of the Big 12 teams are hanging in there. Teams like Oklahoma State and Baylor. And, and then obviously when you have Oklahoma still ranked in the top five, I think that gives a lot of credit to the Big 12. I think the Big 12, very top heavy with the top four to five teams. The rest of the five teams, very weak. I mean, I even put TCU in that conversation, unfortunately. But uh, it's and, – and that's for another day. But I still do think the SEC is strong. Uh, it's, but it's really hard. It, I think it's kind of comparing two different um, outcomes and styles of play this season because with these inconsistent teams from the SEC, it's really hard to get a gauge on them because you don't know – uh, what Alabama is going to do in the remainder of the season. They don't have an easy road uh, to stay in that number two or number three spot headed into the college football playoffs. They're not going to have it easy. I think the only clear cut team from SEC is Georgia, who is going to be a top front runner. But again, you know, we've seen it already because Alabama was supposed to crush AM and that didn't happen. Chad, uh, speaking of conferences, another one the ACC, the horrible. Horrible ACC. Uh, I'm dropping Pitt out this week. That was an embarrassing loss to Miami, especially last week where I started to. I've been critical of ACC. They didn't win a bowl game last year. I was like, all right, you know what? Pitt six and one. They look good. They got a good quarterback. Wake's undefeated. They had that quality win against Army last week. But I was like, all right, those are probably your two teams. Well, Pitt loses. And you know what? I got Wake at 10 right now because they're an undefeated Power 5 team. If you want to call it even a Power 5. I'm at the point right now, I think the Mountain West is better than the ACC this year. I'm going to say it. Like I'm looking at the Mountain West, which, by the way, in terms of wins, Fresno State beats San Diego State. And you know what? San Diego State might drop out of the polls as a result. Fresno State in terms of my rankings, in terms of what I have right now, and we'll 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 I'll give the full list, but I think they're like, let's see, I got I have Fresno State at 18, I've got San Diego State at 21, I've got Nevada at 24, and then Utah State would probably be my next team in after I got Coastal at 25. And then you know, Air Forces Air Force has put together a really good year too. So I would take the Mountain West, and that's not even like like Boise State. They've had some quality wins this year too. I would take the Mountain West over the ACC right now in this solo season. Yeah, this is very with you know Clemson being out of the conversation now. You kind of have to look at the ACC Notre Dame as well. In Notre Dame as well, you know who do they really have? I mean, this is a Wake Forest team that their toughest opponent. I would probably say would be was Syracuse heading into what we're about to go on week 10 now. And that's not very good because wait for us being number 10. Now I I'm predicting that they're probably not even ranked when the season ends because they have to play uh, UNC on the road. That's not an easy place to play in UNC. They can compete with any team in the ACC. They have NC state at home, but again, they're always have been scrappy. Then they end the season with Clemson and Boston college both on the road. So the fact that Wake Forest only plays uh, at home one one time for the remainder of four games, they have a tough road ahead of them. I think a, I, I think the ACC is – I think it's a gimmick how they have a couple teams still ranked. 
Uh, and I, I just don't think that they're a strong power five conference this year, especially with Clemson out of the equation. Well, I'm starting to, the thing is, is like Wake could very well go undefeated this year. Like they could go 13 and 0 and it's going to be hard to turn them away from the college football playoff. But I think we have to adjust the way we view the ACC this year. And the ACC has not been up to the level of the Big Ten or the SEC or even the Big 12 for the last few years. If you took Clemson out of the mix, it's like, yeah, they got they probably had the best team out of those non-SEC conferences in Clemson. But past that, it's not a lot. And I think right now we have to look at the way that the ACC is unfolding. And North Carolina, huge disappointment this year. Miami, huge disappointment this year. Clemson, huge disappointment this year. And so last week it was like, oh yeah, Pitt, they beat Clemson. That's a nice quality win. Is it any more? I mean, like, yeah, I guess a win's a win. But I, I just think if we're going to look at, like I was I was uh, t- tracking all the games yesterday and I was prepared to come out and have San Diego State ahead of Wake for the purpose of, yeah, they're both undefeated teams, but look at look at San Diego State's conference and look at Pitt's conference. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, Pitt recently being ranked and then uh, I believe now falling out. I mean, they, they – but the thing is they're still going to make the ACC championship. And yeah. if Pitt ends the season with just one loss and then they beat probably Wake Forest more than likely uh, in the – in the ACC championship, then Pitt's still going to be in this conversation of no way uh, two loss ACC team for the playoff. Well, well, no, that, this is if Pitt goes out. This is this would be a one loss Pitt team. I think no, they've I lost two. They've lost two. Pitt has lost. Oh, you are right. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. But um, yeah, no Wake. I mean Wake could Wake could go undefeated, and who they have left on their schedule. There's a weird thing I didn't know about this. They agreed to play North Carolina as a non-conference game, so this they're going to play each other, and it's not going to have any conference ramifications. So they could right. lose that game and still be undefeated in the ACC. See, that that's just they're just greasing their way into the the top <laughs> of the conference, which you know I, I don't really think they have. I mean, their resume isn't all that impressive. They have a decent one against a Florida State team who I don't think they're the real deal. And then, what, three-point wins against Louisville and Syracuse? Now, Syracuse, I think it always it, – Syracuse it hangs around. I think they're kind of the – they're the nitty-gritty team from the ACC. They're going to give everybody a game. They even gave, you know, a, the Empire version of Clemson a game every single year, whether they were on the road or at home. But other than that, I mean, I don't think that – you know, a very high scoring 150 point score game uh, between them and Army. I don't think that's all that impressive from Wake Forest. Yeah. I mean, we know they can score a lot of points and they can score. It looks pretty seamless when I watched them last week against Army. I'd never seen a team put up those kind of points against Army. I, I think Wake Forest is, I, I think, best case scenario for everyone. Wake Forest drops a game at some point, wins the ACC or Pitt, either one, they get a New Year's Six Bowl against someone, you know, like, let's put him in there. In fact, let's let's put him up against the top of the Mountain West. 
Let's make that a New Year's Six Bowl. Let's see the ACC's best against the Mountain West best. And I think I think the Mountain West is that team's probably going. Oh, I shouldn't say probably, but I I would favor them. I would favor Fresno State or you know I I think Fresno State. I think San Diego State. I think both those teams are better than Wake is. But I actually think it'll be a pretty it'd be a pretty good game. I, I I would pay money to see that game. I think it's uh and I yeah I think the Mountain West just like you said it's I think it's deeper than a lot of people think, but it's again they still don't have the teams ranked or they don't have that. I think aside from Fresno State in I think San Diego State has that impressive year too. They don't have just that one team that's going to be the face of their conference yet, and they're just they're not there as a conference either. And so I think that's why it's going to be very difficult but depending on how the conference championship game for the mountain west goes down i think that will say a lot of who uh what what is going to be that non-power five team in one of the new year's six bowls it's going to speak a lot of volume in that you know i wish that there was some tougher competition for utsa ut san antonio and you're a texas guy so you're well familiar with that squad um and they play in conference usa right yes I wish there was someone in that conference or a couple teams that was kind of pushing them because they right now I would have them at, let's see, I have them at 15 in the country. I would love to see them get a shot in a big time bowl game against, you know, one of the, you know, give them, maybe it's, maybe it's not New Year's six, but maybe you give them A&M or Auburn or someone like that. I would love to see them get to play a big time bowl game. Right, and I, UTSA looks like, I mean, their schedule is not very challenging for them for the remainder of their yeah. seasons, uh, for the remainder of their season. And so I think that they'll, I think they'll win the Conference USA outright as well as win the uh, championship game. And, you know, the, the thing is, where they're still going to put these teams from the SEC or the Big Ten who just miss the conference championship by a game and they're still kind of high in the rankings, or where are they going to put a two loss team from the big 12 who loses to OU or something in, in the, where are they going to put those teams compared to UTSA uh, who's coming in with a clean slate? You know, I just, the way we've seen the pattern of the college football playoff committee, they're still going to put these power five teams above, you know, a conference USA winner or a mountain West winner, or even American winner almost for that matter. So it's, I, I still don't think that UTSA has it on their resume. When you look at the resume, right. But this resume for UTSA has been a lot more impressive than some of the other non-Power 5 conference teams in the past. So they're the last D1 or FBS unbeaten. They're the lowest ranked FBS unbeaten. And I think they're ranked. I mean, I have them 15. I think that's a good spot for them. Uh, It's just too bad. I mean, that's part of the problem with this current system. It would be so fun, especially this year, to have like a 2014 playoff. And all the conference champions, you guys are all in. And then let's just see it. Let's let it, let it play out. Because this is the type of year we've had so many crazy games and unexpected losses, unexpected wins, that we would have, in my opinion, a pretty wild March Madness style. Uh, we we probably, like, they would be kind of, they'd be one of the darlings in this hypothetical tournament. And I think it would be so much fun to watch. I think it would be a lot of fun to watch. You would also probably have to take away, I think, at least one, maybe two conference games from the schedule, right? Uh, because then you can have a team playing sixteen or sixteen games or so, which would just be a lot of football. And 
kind of, I think more dangerous for the athletes, but then I, you know, I think it's, you lose a little bit of an element of, uh, you know, less opportunity for conference teams to beat each other and make the season a little more exciting. Uh, you get alignment, but I love the idea of a tournament because then, you know, eventually you'll get a, you know, number two ranked SEC team play a number 25 team that's coming out of the conference USA. You'll eventually get to see that if that's ever going to happen. And that is when the things are going to get super exciting, but I don't think college football is making it to that place anytime soon. Right. Well, We'll see. We'll see what happens with that for sure. Chad, we have some breaking news right now. TCU news. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I Did you could get a notification. I, I didn't get a notification. I don't have them on, but I could. Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened then. You don't please know. Please do. Gary Patterson and TCU parting ways. He will not finish the rest of the season. That's. I, I was literally just talking to somebody. Um, about that possibility yesterday, and I, I'm not shocked. However, it is very sad. Uh, you got to remember, he's the second longest tenured uh, college football coach uh, this season or heading into this season. He was, and so that that's very sad. And I I think also Gary Patterson has made uh, he's done a huge favor for TCU, and th- this this is kind of shocking. I had a feeling that he would at least finish out the season, and then. They would talk about a possible coaching change, but uh, I think when you lose, uh, you know, to a team like Kansas State, and then you they can't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. Partly that is because uh, they Zach Evans has not played uh, since their game a couple weeks ago against Texas Tech. Uh, they've struggled, and they've also struggled defensively. And so I think TCU just needs this change. But I'm sad because I am a big Gary Patterson fan. So what do you think? happens from here who do you think they're going to try to target any any thoughts as to who might be coaching the team not just this year I mean they'll put in some interim guy but in terms of making a a hire to kind of return this program to where Gary got him to right you're going to need somebody with uh, a big personality and also in somebody to lift TCU up a, a grade above of what I think the rest of the country sees them as that's just how they've always been. They've been, they've been in a conversation every time. However, they're, but they're not coming from the big 12, you know, they're not uh, the face of the conference. And so they need, I think a personality uh, a lot bigger uh, to kind of, uh, to balance that out. I mean, you look at coach O, I don't think coach O from LSU would go to TCU, but somebody with a personality like that, I think would be a great fit for TCU. Uh, Somebody to kind of match. I think somebody, you know, I, I'd really have to look at uh, the list of the coaches uh, available, but uh, Doug uh, Doug Meacham, who uh, is the OC right now for uh, for TCU, I'm expecting him probably to s- step up as interim coach. Uh, TCU also likes internal people as well, so he could end up being the coach. But I I don't know if TCU is going to be that school to go seek somebody or a big name like that or not. Chad. In terms of what we had go on this past weekend in college football, uh, what were you keyed into? What were you watching yesterday? And what stood out to you that we haven't gotten to yet? If anything. Right. One thing that I, <laughs> I, one thing that I was really watching was some the Big Ten games a lot. I was watching uh, Ohio State and Penn State as well as Michigan, Michigan State. But we have kind of already touched, that, touched on that. 
Uh, I pay a lot of attention to Pac-12 uh, football out here. And I just, in kind of in a condescending way, just because I, I'm not really a believer in the Pac-12 uh, <laughs> football. And so I do pay a lot of attention to that out there. I also pay atten- a lot of attention uh, to middle of the Pac-12 Big 12 schools because you have Oklahoma State uh, and Baylor now who are still ranked inside of the top 20. But there are teams that are going to be be able to hang around, and I think uh, they could easily give Oklahoma a loss in the Big 12 championship and then just kind of mess up uh, the college football uh, playoff rankings. I think I think one of those teams probably could knock off Oklahoma. Uh, I do watch – I pay attention to Oklahoma a lot, and uh, their last couple of weeks have looked pretty weak. Uh, sure, they put up 50 points against Tech, but they also allowed Tech to score three times, which – Tech has had a pretty underwhelming season, and so I th- I still think, uh, you know, their their win against Kansas last week, Oklahoma's win was very scary for them. Uh, they were down most of the game, and so I think I I, I were looking I, I was looking at a lot of uh, scores like that, but uh, I didn't pay as much attention to the SEC because I just knew that they were all going to beat each other up. So I was paying a lot of attention to some of these teams we've already talked about in the middle of the rankings that, you know, ranked anywhere from 12 to 20 who uh, are surprises, but also can really, uh, I think, cause some chaos in the rankings over these next couple of weeks. All right, let's get to my ranking. So first things first, the top four, I got Georgia, Michigan state, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, any differences, Chad? I, I think I would probably put Michigan state, um, I would bump them to number five and then mm. put Alabama at number four and then keep the rest. So I, um, I, I still think that if Michigan state, I think their win against Michigan was very quality, but I still think uh, they need another big win uh, to crack them into the top four. Well, what has Alabama done other than reputation alone this year to that, that, be ahead of Michigan state? Right. That's a fair point. I mean, they beat Ole Miss uh, pretty handily. They also, um, have some other, they, they have some, a good win against, uh, Kentucky who, um, or uh, yeah, uh, sorry. No, not, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of Georgia, Mississippi state, uh, Miss, Mississippi state, uh, and, and that Mississippi state win was really big for them. Cause I was after the A&M game. And so, uh, I think reputation does help them out a lot. They're kind of the one team in college football who can kind of live off of that and still play their way into college football, uh, playoffs. But, uh, their, their resume, I think, is a little weaker, uh, especially with an A&M loss. But I still think that just if you watch them on the field, I, I still think Alabama is as good as they've been in the past. Okay. So, yeah, I disagree with you there. I mean, I going off the resume, I think un, unbeaten Big Ten team, give me that over over uh, one loss. One loss. Yeah. SEC. I mean, when you have an SEC representative – and. Look, I think there's a long way left. So if Alabama runs the table, wins a SEC championship, and that's all, Georgia's only loss, and it's relatively close, then put them both in for sure. And we can maybe talk about knocking Michigan State out. Um, but that would be – so those are my top four. You have Cincinnati and Oklahoma in as well? I, I do. I, I still think – even though I don't think Cincinnati is going to stay there, um, I still do think that Cincinnati has proven themselves with the Notre Dame win uh, to to be a, a, an undefeated team in the top four. I, I do think so. And as well as Oklahoma, they're still a power five team that's undefeated. I definitely think they deserve to be in that three or four spot as well. Yeah. And Cincinnati, I mean, Oklahoma, 
you know, they beat Texas. They haven't really had many big time opponents either yet. Um, I still would put them in. I just think that uh, Cincinnati, they got to be careful because they should not be this game with Tulane. You should smoke that team. This should be a style points game. If you're blowing these teams out, then there's less conversation about if they should or should not get in. Ohio State essentially elevated over the past four weeks when they just, you know, absolutely steamrolled teams like Rutgers. And I think Maryland was another one. And we just were like, okay, Ohio State's back. That's what Cincinnati should be doing. Desmond Ritter, by the way, he's another guy that some people were liking as a potential first-round quarterback, as a guy who could maybe shoot up the board. He's been disappointing this year. I mean, he's a guy who definitely, look, he hasn't lost. He's only lost one game over the last two years. But he should be playing so much better than he has, especially if he wants to be an NFL quarterback. Well, yeah, I think he needs to be at least consistently putting up 300 yards and a couple touchdowns, but he just hasn't been doing that. And you're seeing these other parts of Cincinnati's offense having to kind of pick up some slack from him. And so that's why you're having these very close games early on because Cincinnati hasn't scored um, early on in these last couple games that have been close. And so then you're still giving a one and seven two lane team hope in a game that should not be close. This game should have been 45 to nothing. Okay. So then I have five through 10, Alabama five, Oregon six. And I think, you know, again, in terms of Ohio State, I think it's probably better than Oregon right now. But I, I put Oregon above them because they beat them head to head on the road without several key starters. I think that should matter. I think that should count. So I got Oregon six, Ohio State seven, Michigan eight, Notre Dame nine, and then Wake Forest ten. I I think Oregon has changed as a team. Uh, you know, from that what they played Ohio State the first week or the second week, I week believe. Week two. Week two. And so um, I think Ohio State has become a better team uh, than Oregon. I think if they were to play in week 10 or week 11, I think Ohio State is winning that game. Uh, so I, But with the head-to-head matchup, you have to put them in the rankings because they technically have a win against them, and they do. But I, I'm i not going to argue there um, with you know that 5-10 to 10 from you. Uh, I would maybe uh, probably switch Wake Forest and Notre Dame. I think I would put Wake Forest above Notre Dame just because of the win-loss record. Uh, but, That's but fair. still, but, uh, but, but still, I, th- I think, th- I think those are good spots for a lot of those teams. Yeah. I think again, I want to put unbeaten teams as high as I can. I just want to see like with wake, you know, it, it's the same thing with UTSA for that reason. Right. Um, Michigan, we didn't touch on Michigan much. Um, obviously that was a tough loss for the fans. And I know it kind of feeds into this idea of like Harbaugh hasn't been able to win the big games and everything of that nature. The Michigan fans that I've talked to that are smart football fans, however, Jack Lindblad, uh, Andrew Stem, he's a Michigan fan. I was texting with those guys and they said they feel pretty good. I mean, that wasn't an embarrassing loss. You know, it was a road loss. It was close. They hung in there the whole game. The expectation for Michigan when Stem and I previewed this at the start of the year was maybe a seven-win team, an eight-win team. 
you know, they could, even if they lose to Ohio State, they could be very well finish the regular season 10 and 2, which is a really, really good season, a step up from where they have been over the past couple of years. I also think, though, they can, I do think they can beat Ohio State this year. They're playing in the big house. It happens in four weeks. And I think that even though it's not like, it's not like, they're expected to win. I think they can win that game. And I do think that this has been a good season for Michigan, despite this loss. And I also want to say, you know, Ohio state, while yes, they have looked better over the past several weeks. This Penn state game was at home in Columbus. You're playing a team that just lost to university of Illinois at home. (laughs) And, you know, you're, you're losing that game or sorry, uh, Penn state lost that game. This is where I was, I was expecting this game to actually be okay. Ohio state's going to make a statement here. And if Ohio state made that statement, I would have no problem putting them above Oregon. I think that this game being close Oregon getting their blowout win this past week, I would have Ohio state where I have them in terms of uh, seven for that matter. And I do think, uh, I do think, as I mentioned, I do think Michigan is capable of beating them. Now, will they actually? They haven't done so yet. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I think Ohio's just like kind of you said, Ohio State would be a better team, I think, now than Oregon. Uh, but, you know, a blowout win for uh, Oregon, if it looks like Colorado, who been scoring all three points, I think that uh, I think they should have their defense should have been better against a team like Colorado, especially in Eugene. Well, that was a game. I will say that was a game that really they were up big. And then they kind of, you know, Colorado had put a couple Probably of late. Scored late. Yeah. Right. Just kind of like prevent defense. So I don't know, but nevertheless, um, those are my, what are your thoughts on Michigan real quick before we get to the rest of this? I'm, I've always been one who's hated on Michigan because <laughs> because of the whole Harbaugh thing, because of you know the fact that they've been deemed a top 10 team all the time, and then they end up ending the season ranked number 24 if they're lucky. But the thing is that I think, like you said, they did not have this expectation, and they're playing really good football this year. And I do think that they have a chance to beat Ohio State. I think the Michigan State lost them. That's a very hard loss for them, and – uh, you know, they just got just things unfolding in the fourth quarter and it went Michigan State's favor. But that's sports. That's going to happen to every good team. And so but I I'm very impressed with this Michigan team. I think they uh, they're actually legit. And, you know, if they find themselves uh, running away at the Big Ten, then they're really going to be in a good position to, I think, sneak their way in. All right. So then my next 11 through 15, we've got Oklahoma State. 11, Baylor, 12, Texas A&M, former Big 12 member, 13. And then you'd have like three Big 12 teams back to back to back. <laughs> but two, yeah. two back to back. And then uh, former Big 12 member, 13, Texas A&M. 14 is their SEC uh, counterpart, Auburn. And then 15, UT San Antonio. Anything you change about these this group or any I, thoughts I- on this group? I really like uh, where A and M is sitting uh, because I think they're they've become a really team uh, playing in the SEC. They've ever since they left the Big Twelve, they've become a better team. 
from top to bottom, even though they don't necessarily have the hardware to show off for that. I do like that A&M is finally getting some recognition. Um, I mean, you can see it just from uh, that the way that they're playing against top teams, even their recruits, uh, things like that. A&M is a really solid program, so I do like where they are anywhere in that 13 to 15 spot. I think that is pretty comfortable for A&M. Oklahoma State and Baylor, uh, you know, the fact that um, Oklahoma State beat Baylor already, and I think that's it's really impressive. Uh, that was an impressive win for Oklahoma State, and I think they proved that they're not overrated because I think Oklahoma State is one of those teams in the Big 12 who they'll always find themselves inside, you know, top 15, top 17, but then they'll lose to Oklahoma somehow. They'll lose to a team like Iowa State, and then they have no resume. But Oklahoma State is living up to their name this year, and I I, I do like where Oklahoma State is. I think that OU-Oklahoma State game is easily the most important game for Big 12 this season. Uh, that's before the conference championship, and they could play back-to-back weeks uh, if both those teams went out heading into their last regular season game. So backing up to what you were talking about with A&M, I think it, just taking a look at large at SEC this year, it's it's a really it is a really interesting year for the SEC because you have Georgia and Alabama, the clear runaway top two teams. After that, you have four two loss teams. They're all six and two, um, and that's Auburn, Ole Miss, Kentucky, A and M. A and M, I think we'd agree, is the best out of those. They had the signature win against Alabama. Um, and like you said, they look like a very different team right now versus who they were five weeks ago. Um, so I, I, I think they're the best team after that though, with Ole Miss, you know, you got Ole Miss, Kentucky, Auburn, and I think Auburn might be another team that is starting to peak at the right time. I think that iron bowl could be very interesting this year, but after that, I don't think that sec is as strong as maybe we've talked about and, and looked at them in the past. You got um, a, a handful of four and four teams with Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, South Carolina, and then you've got uh, oh LSU is another one. Five and three Mississippi State, five and three Arkansas, two and seven Vanderbilt. Um, nevertheless, uh, that's those are my thoughts on that SEC that we were just get talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, LSU and Florida, two teams that have been very underwhelming this year. Yeah. I mean, that's you know personnel changes at um, at LSU and things like that uh, have I think played into that effect. But those two teams are normally very very strong, and usually it's Georgia and Florida at the top of the of the SEC East. But that's just not the case. And Kentucky has all of a sudden emerged uh, over the past several seasons. They've had uh, they've had just a handful of good people come in there. A lot of transfers who came in there as well. And so that Kentucky team has really been turned around, but I, again, I, I, I do agree with you that a lot of these teams are pretty underwhelming. I'm not going to use the word top heavy, but it's almost in the reason why is because I think the West is a lot stronger. I mean, even though yes, Arkansas is five and three now and they're towards the bottom of the, um, of the SEC West, they were still ranked in the top 10 at one point this week. So I think you still have to throw them a little bit of a bone for that. Uh, and they're sitting at the bottom of their half of the conference. And so, I mean, that's a lot of these teams. Um, I, I, you know, the, the West with Alabama, Auburn, 
Uh, I think a lot of those teams will beat each other up, and and you, you'll see that this this week because A and M and Auburn, uh, I believe, are playing this weekend uh, or next weekend. But uh, yeah, SEC is is a little bit of a different. I think, like we've said, I think we've had to t- take a different glance at that conference this season. All right, 16 through 20, BYU, 16, 17, Ole Miss, 18, Fresno State, 19, Houston, 20, SMU. I still got SMU in the top 20. I mean, that was a game that on the road, they were they essentially tied that game had it not been for that fluke uh, return for the touchdown. And then, um, you know, BYU, I just want to mention BYU, 7-2 and two this year, much, much more difficult. Uh, I mean, they're an independent. The schedule that they've done a good job of scheduling a lot of quality opponents. They beat Utah. They beat Arizona State. They beat this past week. They beat Virginia. Uh, there are several other good games they played. The Baylor game, when Baylor beat BYU by two touchdowns, I think that was really, really good showing for the Big 12 because right now in these rankings, I got Baylor as the third best team in the Big 12. Uh, that was a good showing. I think BYU is kind of a good little sampler because they've played ACC, they've played Pac-12, they've played Big 12. So you kind of get, if you look at BYU, who's clearly a, a good team, I got them at 16, maybe you don't have them as high. Um, but they're kind of like a nice little sampler, a buffet, where you can take a look at their track record and see how these conferences are stacking up. Yeah, I, I think BYU still has a pretty good resume because they have two ranked wins. Um, and as a team not playing in the conference, you know, that's the best. Those games are so important to them. I think if they would have if they would have beat Baylor, I, I think we would have easily seen them, uh, you know, around that nine spot. Uh, but, I, again, the, I think the Boise State, that Boise State team, uh, they're scrappy, and I think that loss is – not as bad as people think it is. So yeah, there's still, I believe, maybe 18 or 17 last time I checked in the in the AP polls. Uh, but I do like where you have them in your rankings. I think they are a really good team. And then what do you think about the rest of this uh, top 20 before we get to 21-25? Yes, with, uh, let's see, you have Ole Miss, 17. I would agree with that. Uh, Fresno State, uh, I think Fresno State could be a climbing team. Uh, if they continue to impress us uh, later on in college football. And so I, I do like where they are. Then SMU and Houston, I mean, again, uh, being 19, I think you have them perfectly where they are. Uh, you would have seen SMU if they just would have won that game last night. Um, you probably would have seen SMU 19, Houston 20, um, maybe. But it's uh, th- those two teams are really solid. Uh, I think those are two perfect teams to round out, round out the top 20 that you have. All right, and then 21 through 25, and we're going to wrap this thing up. World Series is going to start in 10 minutes, and we got to watch this game, eat some food. Um, although it's only 5 o'clock. I envy your Pacific time schedule. It's so nice. <laughs> oh, it's great. I go to bed earlier out here. Uh, and <laughs> you, I mean, it, it. so many advantages to it. <laughs> All right, 21, San Diego State. 22, a team that we did not mention Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Uh, they had a big wig on Texas State. I think it was this past week. Um, the reason I got I'm high on Louisiana is they killed Appalachian State, who beat Coastal. Um, and we were, you know, Coastal was great last year. They were top 15 team up to that loss. 
Um, I give an edge to Louisiana. And also, I think Louisiana looks a lot better right now than they did week one against Texas. If they play Texas right now, I think they're probably going, I think they win that game, uh, even in a road environment in Austin. Um, so uh, San Diego State 21, 22 Louisiana, 23 team we didn't talk about at all today. Uh, Minnesota, they're Minnesota. They're uh, <laughs> in position to win right now. They're in position to win the Big Ten West. Uh, good showing against Ohio State early in the season. Uh, they had another. Who was it? They beat someone. That was another, another interesting. I can't remember who else they played, but yeah, I I don't know if I recall. I haven't really followed the Golden Gophers that much. Okay, I'll pull up uh, their schedule as we talk here. Uh, twenty two or twenty three Minnesota, twenty four Nevada, led by my QB one in the twenty twenty two NFL draft. Carson Strong. I don't know if you've gotten to watch him yet. I am so fascinated by watching him. Nevada with a big win uh, this past week against UNLV. And then 25, Coastal Carolina. It's my top 25. Yeah. yeah. I, I like how you have some of the small, like, you know, Louisiana team from the Sun Belt and then um, Nevada as well and Coastal. I really like the Coastal Carolina team. Uh, but, you know, again, a football they, they just have to work a little harder uh, if they want to be in a real conversation of, uh, you know, New Year's six bowls or anything like that. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to argue. I haven't, the only team I haven't really seen play or I, I just don't hear about that much is Minnesota. Um, I don't really know much about their uh, resume uh, going into this week, but I believe they're, they're not ranked um, in AP polls. Correct. Oh, um, I am not sure about the new one. I, I should look. To, uh, you want to pull up the new one? Yes, I'm, I've been trying to pull All it right. up. So they beat, they've taken care of business in the Big Ten. They beat everyone that they've played in the West, and then they lost that game to Ohio State. And their uh, star running back, Mohamed Ibrahim, or Ibrahim Mohamed, or whatever his name is. <laughs> I can't remember which which is the first name, which is the second name. He got hurt in that game. Uh, they really could have won that game. The The weird weird thing they lost to bowling green uh on september 25th 14 10 uh, so that would probably be why they would not be in the top 25 but mm-hmm. i think big 10 good conference so they haven't really had a big win so that could be one that maybe you drop them um but yeah they they got in terms of the rest of the way they play illinois at iowa at Indiana and then versus Wisconsin. So they could end up being a 10 and two team out of the big 10 going into that <laughs> big 10 championship game. Probably the most silently done too. Uh, they, they aren't ranked the uh, people's right now, but yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but you look at their first game, I think a lot of since week one, but you know, a 14 point loss to Ohio state isn't all that terrible for this team. So who did I leave out that you I mean, I guess I'm not expecting you to come on here with like a top 25 list, but is there someone that I should have considered or put in the top 25 or maybe you wouldn't like I dropped Iowa, I dropped Pitt. Uh, There are a couple other teams I dropped this past week. Is there someone that I don't have on here that I should? Just looking, let's see. Uh, I did notice that uh, I think Wisconsin. I I, I don't think really ranked, but maybe even just talked about uh, because they do have a pretty impressive win 
and they're starting to turn around their second half as well. Uh, but other than that, I I can't argue your uh, your rankings a whole lot because I think you have a perfect mix of power five, non-power five teams because college football is very different this year. You know, uh, all the big major conferences, I think, are uh, starting to – they beat each other up a little more than what I think people are talking about. Uh, and what I mean by that is that SEC being inconsistent, like we said, and, uh, you know, random Big Ten teams beating up on each other. Uh, Iowa, who was ranked number two at one point, nowhere to be found, really. And so it's I, – I, I, I like the way that you approach these rankings because you did it, I think, uh, pretty holistically looking at all the other conferences. Yeah, try to uh, – I think I try to give people an idea of what you should be watching for that, you know, this is – I think that's one of the things that's cool about this show is we go in-depth on a lot of these things and we try to avoid surface-level conversations. They're like the TMZ factor of sports right. that other people are really like zoom zooming in on right now in terms of sports talk. Um, so I guess the one conference – that we haven't talked about at all is the Mac. The Mac doesn't. The Mac does not have a ranked team. I think every other, let's see, Conference USA has got UTSA. There are all those Mountain West teams. You have the American, and then uh, you have. I'm blanking on what are the oh Sun Belt with Louisiana, Louisiana, yeah, and uh, Coastal. So then the the last one is the Mac and. The team right now that's in first place in the MAC is Northern Illinois, I believe. They've got, yes. let's see. Okay. In terms of the MAC, you have Northern Illinois is 4 and 0, and there's Kent State and Miami. They're 3 and 1. I don't think any of these teams have done anything super notable, like noteworthy quite yet in terms of their, uh, like, like for instance, Northern Illinois is six and two. They got killed by Michigan week, uh, week three, 63 to 10. Um, Western Michigan was another team that is typically pretty good. And they're two and two in the conference this year. Uh, there's no one really in the Mac. I let's see what Kent Kent state play pulling these up real quick. Kent state and Miami. And, if anyone's really beaten like a power five out of these teams, because I know UTSA, they beat Illinois. Okay. So Penn state got killed by AM week one. They also lost uh 30 to seven against Iowa. They got killed by Maryland. Um, and they also got killed by Western Michigan, Miami. They got killed by Cincinnati. And then they, they also lost to Minnesota. They lost to army. So, I think it, we have to say the Mac is probably the weakest conference right now in terms of, yeah, maybe you get some like Wednesday night or Thursday night Maction, and those are some <laughs> fun games to watch, no doubt. Not to like say anything bad about the Mac, it's just there isn't like a a top, probably not even a top forty team out of the Mac right now. Yeah, I mean with, with NIU being the most impressive, but again they've gotten killed by several teams, I believe what their Michigan game was 50 point loss or so. And, yeah. and yes, yes, that was early in the season. Teams are still figuring things out, but that's their chance to, to prove something. And I, I mean, I, none of these teams uh, seem very impressive to me. I think M Miami, Ohio is usually a little better, I think. Uh, but 
I guess I've just, I, I haven't followed them a whole lot. I know that they've played a lot of big schools, uh, but again, I don't think that they're all that impressive. All right, Chad, we're an hour and a half deep world series game five about to start. Um, thank you so much for your time. This is great. Always ha- fun having you. We'll have to check. Uh, we'll have to talk some college football, college hoops here uh, sometime down the stretch. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add that we didn't get to today? I just want to say, don't count the Astros out. Um, I know it starts in a couple minutes, but uh, don't count them out, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, would you like to plug anything you're working on right now? You want to people to check out your work and follow you on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can follow me at Twitter. It's at uh, Chad Vautherine. That's V-A-U-T-H-E-R-N-E. Uh, nothing major that I'm working on right now. I am a master's student uh, at the Cronkite School, and so I've done a lot of work uh, inside of my classes, but uh, with publications and stuff coming out, uh, that's kind of been on a hold just with the structure of our program. But uh, you know, I, I will interact um, on Twitter every now and then, and so I'm hoping in the spring and the summer I will get to do some more work. Um, Jack and I have talked about a couple of things possibly <laughs> in the near future, and hopefully. so yeah. um, so 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 we're hopefully trying to um, actually make that happen, but. Um, yeah, it's been a weird. It I can make it happen whenever. I, it's all on you, man. I know, I know. It's. I'm telling you, it's school. School is hard. School. Uh, it's. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I envy you sometimes because it's. You know, I'm doing a lot of things that, uh, you know, isn't necessarily getting. It, it's good practice for me, and it's helping me down the long run. But I'm just not seeing it being published anywhere, and that's just the way that the program is structured. But, uh, but that's for a whole nother day. <laughs> 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 All right, he's Chad Vaughtherine. Follow him on Twitter at Chad Vaughtherine, and uh, we'll have him back sometime later this, uh, hopefully before the end of the year. We can talk some college football, some college hoops. Absolutely killed it on today's show. Thank you so much, Chad. Jack, thanks for having me. I always enjoy being on here. Good stuff. All right, it was great checking in with Chad. Thank you to all of you who joined us here live on Twitter and listened in the podcast feed. Make sure you guys subscribe to Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us get that podcast out to more people. Um, share it. Send it to a friend. Tell your friends about it if you like it. Log on to my website, jackvita.com, where I'm also writing. All my podcast episodes are on there. And uh, you can get on my email list. So whenever there's new content, go straight to your inbox and uh, you'll never miss an episode. You'll never miss a column. Working hard here. All right. Hope you guys are all doing well. And until our next episode, talking about the next time I talk to you guys, the World Series will be over. So we will be uh, talking the end of baseball for 2021. And until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>